0: Hey, Katie. Hey, Ben. So I have a thought experiment for you. What would it be like if baseball was played with swords?
1: Uh, That sounds extremely dangerous, actually.
0: Well, that's what we're going to talk about today. Uh, You are listening to Linear Digressions.
1: Was that a sabermetrics pun? I bet that was was a a sabermetrics pun. That was the
0: best I could get. We're not going to be talking about playing baseball with with sabers because that's not a thing, and actually, it probably shouldn't be a thing because sabers are dangerous.
1: Uh, I agree, that's probably so, not a good idea. Um, now, however, yeah, uh, statistical research <coughs> on baseball is is a thing, um, and this is usually called sabermetrics, where uh, sa- saber is spelled S A B R, which is an acronym. Uh, Society for American Baseball Research, so it's oh. it's, actually, it's a little bit less weird than it There's sounds. There's no at first e claims. in there, I see. Right, um, and so this is kind of the the idea of Moneyball, which somehow we haven't talked about yet. So, um,
0: isn't Moneyball, and forgive me when I don't know what I'm talking about here, but um, Moneyball isn't that the the kind of gambling thing where you go into the you go into the liquor store and you buy the thing. And then you see if your numbers match up, or do am I?
1: Powerball. That's <laughs> ah. But you were cl- well. Actually, that's not a bad name for Powerball, is it? Moneyball, because uh, it is the lottery, Powerball. isn't it? Mm. No, uh, the we're thing not that I'm thinking of. Yeah, when I say Moneyball, this this was a, a a term that was coined, I think, by Michael Lewis originally, who's a pretty good. Um, author and he was writing about a specific case that is emblematic of this field which is that the Oakland A's pretty famously had a very low uh, payroll compared to some bigger higher power teams like the Yankees or the Red Sox or whatever Uh, so they weren't paying that much but they had a really good team and so the question is what were they able to to see in certain players such that they could assemble a team kind of on the cheap that was really good? And the answer is basically that they had uh, some folks on their team, not the baseball team, but like sort of like working in the club, who were doing statistical analysis of the way that these players played. And in particular, looking at non-standard measurements of player quality. But metrics that were nonetheless very indicative of, of someone being a good baseball player, a good contributor oh, to interesting. the team. In other words, the the goal of the Society for American Baseball Research, as they like to, as they say on their website, is that they want to scientifically and statistically analyze baseball. In other words, uh, they say collect objective evidence about who the best players are and who the best teams are and who is expected to win in certain situations. And interesting. So, mm-hmm
0: and 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 this is kind of in a in a world of sports that is uh, often surrounded by superstition and uh, all of that kind of stuff. It's interesting to see a group try to take a completely objective and fact based approach scientific approach to this.
1: yeah, not only that. and one of the things that makes this succeed with baseball, in my opinion, is that there's a lot of baseball games that are played, and each game has fairly well-defined types of events that can happen in it. Uh, contrast this maybe with, like, soccer a little bit, where it's a little bit more continuous gameplay. You can mm. still do statistical analysis of soccer, but to my mind, it's always a little bit more challenging. But baseball, baseball is ripe for it, because you can do things like, how many times was this person at bat? How many times did they hit the ball? How many strikes did this pitcher throw? And so you can start to collect some of, these, um, some of these measurements that you can then put into uh, your standard metrics... Examples of this might be batting average or earned run average. We'll go through these in a little bit more detail. But the advance that the folks at Sabermetrics, or Sabermetricians, as they like to call themselves, uh, they're looking for new kinds of metrics that get at what they're trying to measure a little bit more directly.
0: So what kinds of metrics would they be looking at?
1: Glad you asked. Huh. So <laughs> let me start with some of the more well-known metrics and then work my way toward the more interesting ones. So here are a few examples. If you are looking at the example of a batter, uh, one of the standard things, What what's the most common metric that you think of about how good a batter is?
0: Um, what is it called, RBI? No, the, the, the batting average, right?
1: Yeah, batting average. So, batting average. Well, we should ha- take a very brief digression into how baseball works for international listeners. So, baseball is a game, uh, and there's basically like at bats and then there's fielding. Those are the two sides it's like offense and defense. And so, when you're at bat, you're trying to hit the ball. You have three strikes to hit it, and then three attempts. Three attempts, that's right. And if you hit it, then you have a chance to run to the base. And then the if next guy the comes up and tries to hit it. Yeah, yeah. And so you have to run across four bases in order to. I'm doing a terrible job of explaining baseball. Yeah, in you're doing a lot of a colloquial run. vocabulary. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in order to score, I'm probably just making this like less clear. Um, in order to score a run, and then the run, you get like a point basically, and whoever has most points at the end of the game wins the game. And you um, take
0: turns, and you do you do it nine times. And after the seventh time, everyone stands up and sings "Take Me Out to the Ball Game."
1: Yeah, it's it's got a lot of.
0: It's a weird game, frankly. Minutiae. It's a yeah. really weird game.
1: Yeah, I remember once trying to ex- like going to a baseball game with a friend of mine who was from Germany and trying to explain it to him as we were watching <laughs> it. Right, so we had we had sort of all the ingredients to make for it to make sense, and it still was very challenging.
0: I see, but you still tried now. <laughs> yeah, it it almost feels like it like there there are games like. Um, like go very simple rules but the complexity lies in the competent metrics then you've got checkers then you've got chess and you and chess has all of these bizarre weird little moves and special cases and whatnot baseball kind of feels like that kind of a sport
1: yeah i see what you mean um
0: so anyway, now that yeah. now, now that we've confused all of our international listeners right. who didn't know what baseball is
1: So one of the things, yeah, the the most straightforward thing that you can use to measure whether somebody is good at offense is how often are they able to basically hit the ball when they're trying to bat.
0: Right, Um, because every time you hit the ball, you have some chance of getting on a base. And then from there, you have some chance of getting a run and earning a point.
1: Yep, yep. And so batting average is just the very simple ratio of how many times does this person, has this person hit the ball divided by how many... Opportunities have they had, or what's called at-bats, uh, to hit the ball. So you accumulate this typically over the course of an entire season. So you might have someone who has 100 at-bats and they hit the ball 25 times, and then their batting average we would say is 0. .250 because it's just that ratio.
0: We're gonna get a lot of uh, hate mail from the baseball <laughs> fans listeners, because uh, I think I, just to, just as a quick correction, I think. It's not the number of times you hit the ball, but it's the number of times you hit the ball and you get on base, is your batting. Well, average. yeah,
1: and so this is this is where it starts to get interesting. Yeah. Well, this is according to Wikipedia, it's hits divided by at bats. I am not a sabermetrician, but but and you're hits, getting is something hits is getting on a base. Well, I guess that makes sense because if you just hit the ball and then you immediately get out, then that probably shouldn't count for you. Okay. Yeah. And there's, good okay.
0: Anyway, we are but Yeah, digressing. but
1: the point is that, yeah, you're trying to quantify, basically, like, how good this person is at, at taking an important step toward getting a point. So hitting right. the ball is not the same thing as getting a point, but it's like a, a necessary prerequisite, let's say. Um, and, Almost. And so getting on base is, like, the actual thing that you would be interested in measuring, which might be a little bit more useful. But there's other ways that you can get on base besides hitting the ball. Mm-hmm. Most notably is that you can be walked. So if you have four, uh, what are called balls, which is when it's a pitch that's ruled kind of like unhittable, so to speak. Uh, and if there's four of those, then you get to walk to the base. And that's like a, you know, a freebie, I guess.
0: Or if the pitcher hits you yes, with the ball. And that is which right. Which is kind of rude.
1: Uh, yes. Yes, it is. And that's how you get in fights. So those are all ways that you could uh, get on on base. So a sabermetrician might be more interested in what's called the on base percentage, which is uh-huh. the sum of the hits, plus the times that you get walked, plus the times that you get hit by a pitch, divided by the total number of at bats. And they and so that might be a more useful metric if you're trying to figure out who's going to be a player that's like valuable to your team.
0: Right, that, that makes a lot of sense. Because some people are more likely to be walked than other people, perhaps. Um, like, some people are smaller, and so they have smaller strike zones. Uh, I don't know, there are probably other, other pieces to this.
1: Sure. Now, let's take it one step further. What's a problem that you can see right now with the on-base percentage? Like, a, an aspect. So what you're really trying to do is you're trying to figure out, like, who are the players that contribute the most to you winning the baseball game ultimately right
0: and that ultimately means how many people run through all four bases and manage to get to home plate to score the point um so a really slow runner probably is not going to do as good of a job so let's say that uh you've got slow runner and fast runner players and your slow runner players get on base you know like 20% of the time and your really fast players get on base 15% of the time, but your slow runners are so slow that they get, they get, um, uh, what's the term for that? When, uh, when they get you out of the base, they tag you out at the base and then you can't go all the way around to home plate.
1: Well, that is fair. I was actually thinking of something else, which is I'll, I'll, I'll take your, your, uh. I don't know that like how fast you run usually makes that much of a difference in baseball, but let's take the analogy here. The thing about batting average and on base percentage is they consider all hits to be equal, but let's suppose you have a fast runner who hits the ball and then is so fast that they make it to second base. And you have a Mm -hmm. slow runner who hits the ball again, but only makes it to first base. Right. I would argue, and I think it's probably a good argument that, the person who got to second base has actually done something that's like more valuable in the scheme of trying to win the game than the person who just gets to first base.
0: Yeah, that, that makes
1: sense. And so this is yet another metric that sabermetricians came up with, which is called slugging percentage. And so that's when you count up the bases that someone is able to accumulate and divide it by the number of at-bats. So a double, uh, which where you get to second base, is twice as valuable as a single where you get to first and and you sort of like weight by how valuable each hit is.
0: Oh, that makes a lot of sense. So yeah. you're basically we're getting closer and closer to the thing that we actually care about when we're evaluating whether someone is going to be good on our team, which is how many runs they can help contribute to scoring.
1: Yep, yeah, that's exactly right. And then there's another set of analogous um, metrics that you might do for defense. So when you're trying to field the ball and mm-hmm. get people out. So I'll go through this one a little bit faster, but one of the one of the most common ones is that you'll be looking at the statistics for a pitcher because pitchers are usually kind of like the the person on defense who has the most control over what happens. And so the standard metric that you might use for a pitcher is something called earned run average. Are you familiar with this? Uh no, I'm not. Oh, okay. Yeah, so earned run average is you want this to be low if you're a If you're a pitcher. So an earned run average is like on average how many runs do people score against you?
0: Yeah, how many points. Yeah, Yeah. that makes sense.
1: And so what this is, is how many earned runs were there on you? I don't exactly know what makes a run an earned run, but whatever. That's neither here nor there. How many times you have, you get scored on basically, divided by how many innings did you pitch? Because very often pitchers don't pitch for the whole game. So if you have, if you pitch for five innings and you have, two runs scored on you, earned runs, then that's going to be 2 over 5 or 0.4. You multiply that times 9 because that's how many innings you are there are. So like if you had hypothetically continued to play at the same uh, performance for the mm-hmm. entire game, then that would be 0.4 times 9. So that would be like 3.6 runs th- were, are scored against you, hypothetically. Right. Yeah. So that's the earned run average, and that's a, a way that you can evaluate the quality of a pitcher. Uh, there's a
0: there's a problem with this though that I can see. Yeah. And I'm not sure that if, I'm not sure if this is where you're going with it, but um, I do remember that there are special pitchers who are often brought into the game late in the game to kind of clo- to to shut the the game out or shut the other team out. I don't I don't have my <laughs> terminology right, but but basically you'll have a pitcher who pitches most of the game and then by Inning eight or inning nine, they're kind of tired, right? It's the end of the game. They're tired. They've been going the whole time. And so they'll bring in a closing pitcher. And that closing pitcher might end up with a different ERA than, say, a pitcher who uh, typically will pitch for eight innings.
1: That's a good point. That wasn't even the point that I was going to make, Ooh. although I'm glad you brought it up. Uh, let me give you a scenario in which earned run average is not a good way to evaluate a pitcher. Okay. Um, Let's imagine that you take the best pitcher in all of baseball right now and you put them on a children's baseball team and the rest of the team is six-year-olds and they're not very good. What do you Um, think the earned run average? Well, I guess that person's just going to strike people out, isn't it? But (laughs) let's imagine that... Uh, let's imagine I, that the other team point, is full though. of professional baseball players who are capable of of hitting the pitches, right? Right, um, right. So you have the best you have the best pitcher in the world, but like, how many runs are going to be scored in that situation? A ton.
0: Right, uh, because you can't carry the game.
1: Exactly. So the problem with earned run average is it what you're trying to do is isolate the effect of the pitcher and say how good is this pitcher basically compared to other pitchers or whatever, but the pitcher doesn't function alone they're also affected by how good their teammates are Hmm. and so it doesn't really effectively isolate them
0: yeah because you can't really control for that so how do you how do you how do you control for a pitcher i mean i guess you could control for how often does the batter then hit the ball within bounds of the of the field but that also doesn't control for like fly balls that are easy to catch versus home runs and things like that.
1: Yeah. And so there's a couple answers to this, although we're starting to get at the outer limits of (laughs) Wikipedia here. Mm. But um, yeah, so a couple things. Number one is that there's a whole set. This is, this is a challenging problem and this is, um, you know, less straightforward to deal with than some of the um, scenarios we were talking about a few minutes ago about like hitting metrics and stuff. So there's a whole subfield of sabermetrics that's all about what they call defense-independent measures. So they think very carefully about what are ways that we can try to measure the performance of a pitcher that, as much as possible, is insulated against variation based on the quality of the rest of the team. So this Mm -hmm. is actually one of the things that, like, sabermetricians think about a lot is, what is it that I'm interested in measuring, in this case, pitcher quality, and then how can I try to remove any other source of, you know, noise or influence or bias from the system so that what I get out is a very pure measure of pitcher quality. So that's part of the artistry of saber metrics is trying to figure out how to how to disentangle sort of all of these things that are mixed in there together. And then the second thing that you brought up that I think is kind of funny is that for pitchers especially this is a good point. Like let's say you have some kind of metric and it's about like how often you get home runs hit on you, right? Right. Now, one of the things that's interesting about baseball is that there isn't a standard size for a baseball field.
0: Hmm, yes. There was... Um, was it 99% invisible? There was a podcast recently that I that I um, listened to about this, and baseball is pretty much the only sport, or at least one of the only sports, where the field shape varies so wildly from field to field. And in, in fact, it's intentional because having uh, a signature difference or shape difference in your uh, ball field can actually um, make it more memorable for other people.
1: Yeah, and it's not just the shape of the field either. The The wall that you have around the field will be part of this as well. So mm. I think it's uh, where the Red Sox play in Boston uh, very famously has this big green wall that's very high. like... the green green monster
0: goblin or green monster
1: yeah (laughs) this is gonna be really
0: entertaining for people who know all of these answers
1: um but the point is it's really hard to hit a home run over it because it's so high so that's that's a peculiarity if you are the pitcher for the red sox uh your park is actually helping you have better statistics than if you were a pitcher whose home whose home field was like some other place And so it even gets to the point sometimes where there's park specific metrics that sometimes people compute. At that point, you start to have, you know, you run into like statistical problems sometimes because you don't have a whole lot of data because it's such a, you know, specific use case that you're trying to study. It's the intersection or the interaction term between a player and a park. But it, it shows you the amount of kind of Thought that is going into these kinds of things, and and how quickly it starts to become a little bit more complicated than you might have anticipated originally.
0: Okay, so you've been saying saber ma- saber metric matricians, matricians, saber uh, So it sounds like there there's actually a group of people who who do this. If I wanted to be one of them, aside from learning about baseball, <laughs> like how would I? How how does a how does a data scientist enter that field.
1: So I don't I don't exactly know how you do it professionally, but the right. vast majority of them from what I can understand do this as as amateurs. So that's not right. necessarily a huge problem. Yeah, so I was reading the the official Sabre metrics website, uh, to prepare for this a little bit. And in general they don't talk a whole lot about specific metrics that they look at or anything like that, at least on like the first page of their website, although I think there's a lot of books that talk about all this stuff so probably what they want to do is have you go read the books Hmm. but the the point that i wanted to make and that i actually thought was quite charming about this is once you get down to the bottom of the page uh they're like okay cool if you're interested in becoming a sabermetrician or if you think you have some ideas about i was talking a little bit earlier about how like thinking about what are the things you want to measure and what's a metric that measures it that if you have some ideas like that you should go online to these like online forums and stuff like that and talk to other meetings, maybe even where you go in person, talk to other sabermetricians about your idea. Hey, everybody, this is the thing I'm trying to measure. This was my idea of how to measure it. This is how I would do it. What do you think? And the thing that I thought was really charming about it is, um, you know, speaking as a data scientist here, sometimes data science can feel very intimidating. And like, there's a whole lot of things that you're expected to know and there's a lot of scientific mistakes that you can make Mm, if you do the mm -hmm. statistics wrong and it's it feels i think sometimes to outsiders like it's a very unapproachable field maybe and sabermetrics is every bit as scientific as a lot of these other you know more traditionally statistical fields but because it's so interesting to people who don't have super rigorous statistical backgrounds. I think there's a lot of support within the community for thinking through how to measure things, how to calculate things, how to disentangle different kinds of bias and variance from the, from the measures so that you're actually measuring the thing that you want. So there's this really cool scientific, sort of amateur scientific, very high quality community around thinking through baseball in a very scientific way and there's a lot of support for newcomers to help them kind of navigate that scientific process if they're new to it and i think that's that's actually like really cool and lovely and i and i and i really like it yeah
0: (laughs) so i've got a question for you what uh having done this episode now what what is your experience with baseball
1: um i i don't know i go to a game let's say once every few years okay, and, and sit there and have a good time. I don't know. I live in Chicago, so everybody here is a Cubs fan or I get, or a White Sox fan, I guess. It's right. super expensive so to go you, to Cubs games, but you know. So you know.
0: occasionally go to a baseball game. Mm-hmm. You've got some people who talk to you about it. Uh, my experience is I played t-ball. And then when they started pitching the balls at my face, I decided it was unsafe and I stopped playing. And since then, I have not really gone to any baseball games. I'm curious uh, if our audience could tweet at us and tell us who seems to know more about baseball based on this episode.
1: Oh, you're making a play for listener involvement. That's a
0: bold move. No, no, I I am not. I, I am just, I'm really, I was surprised... At how uh and and everyone will laugh at me when i say this but i was surprised at how much i remembered from when i was 10 um doing this episode of, about baseball um but i'm not really sure how right or wrong i was on on all these things so i'm just really curious
1: yeah and i would not be the person to correct you either if you were to say something wrong i would be like yeah, okay uh five bases sure sounds right <laughs> Yeah, I played, uh, I played baseball or softball, I guess, when I was a kid. I was not great at it, not that bad. Yeah. I don't know. I was in I second was, grade. Like nobody's good at it in second grade. I was, but.
0: I was horrible at it. No.
1: Anyway, now I do statistics and not really baseball statistics, but yeah. Um, but if I wanted to, there would be a lovely community there to welcome me and to help me think about how to measure baseball metrics and I think that's really great so if this is something that sounds fun to you then uh go check it out I think it's a it's a community that it seems to be very welcoming of newcomers I say this as someone who's never tried to actually participate so I I could be wrong here but based on everything I've seen on the website they uh you know there's a lot of people out there who are thinking about statistics because they like baseball and that's pretty cool
0: You can tweet us at Lynn digressions. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next time.